So for me, when I when I stepped away and didn't know who I was, that's where God really revealed like, okay, we have, you know, well, first of all, he's like, you have to know who you are outside of what you do, Paula. And I didn't because I, I was Paula Ferris, the, you know, Good Morning America and The View. And I thought that was my purpose and that's my calling. And God had to show me, no, you have two callings. You have a faith calling and you have a vocational calling. And your faith calling is like your purpose. It's why you're here. And for me, I realized, you know, my faith calling and my purpose is who I am, it's not what I do. It's why I'm on this earth and it's never going to change. And that's to love God and love people. That's it. It has nothing to do with doing. Whereas before I would have said my purpose is to be the best broadcaster I can be. And so, and so you notice when you tie your purpose so inherently to doing, when you do experience that shift, you're not going to know who you are outside of it. So we had to separate faith calling and purpose from vocational calling. Vocational calling can and will shift. You should expect it to change throughout your life. But vocation's just the the vehicle by which you'll love God and love people. It's the vehicle by which you'll fulfill your purpose. Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from a clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. You're listening to episode 33. Welcome back to another episode on the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. So glad you could join us for another conversation. Hey, so I have a question for you. Have you ever been in a season of life where, or maybe you're even in this season right now, where you feel like your plans have totally changed or your life is launching into a completely different direction? Maybe it's starting a business or going back to school or switching career paths or... I don't know, moving? Or have you ever struggled with imposter syndrome? Like no matter how much you do, no matter how much you achieve, it doesn't feel like enough or it doesn't feel like you deserve it, that maybe you just got lucky or it's just a matter of time before you're found out by others and you just can't see in yourself what other people are claiming to see around you that may genuinely admire your efforts. Or are you someone who tends to define yourself based on what you do? Not only your productivity, but like what career you have, like your worth is maybe in your career or your grades or your degree or school you go to, and you find yourself defined by your accomplishments. And thus you feel the need to continue accomplishing more to kind of feed that worth or recognition. Look, we've all fallen to these human traps, right? And so we're talking about all of this on the podcast today. We have a phenomenal guest, and you may recognize her, but Paula Ferris is a senior national correspondent of ABC News and host of the popular podcast Journeys of Faith with Paula Ferris, which gives an intimate look at how some of the world's most influential people lean on faith and spirituality in the best and worst of times. An Emmy Award-winning journalist, Paula previously was co-anchor of the Good Morning America Weekend Edition, as well as co-host of The View. 
Paula really has a journey of overcoming these hurdles of imposter syndrome, of stepping out on faith in her successful career in mainstream media, and also just getting to the root of her identity in spite of everything that she's done. And so I think she is the perfect person to have this conversation. I can't wait to share it with you. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Paula Ferris about imposter syndrome and stepping out in faith when your life plans change. Hey, Paula, it's so great to have you today. How are you? Thanks, Brittany. I'm doing great. Happy whatever day it is and whatever month it is. (laughs) Right? I keep saying that it feels like a perpetual weekend. (laughs) Oh, sure. Sure, I know. I, I, I look at the calendar. I'm like, I, there are some times that I ask what date it is. And I'm like, I really don't even, what mu- I don't yeah. even know what month we're in. It all, it's all just kind of blending together. Yeah, it's one big blur. And you're in, are you currently in New York? Well, we live in New York, but uh, we've been in South Carolina for a while. Oh, nice. Just because, uh, yeah, we've got family down here. So we're just spending some time down here with family and really enjoying it. So, yeah. Oh, that's nice. To hunker down and in this moment with family, when we're all missing that connectivity, this has been really a blessing to be near family and to do this with them. Right, right. That's so beautiful. And I'm super excited for you. And we're going to have a really great conversation. Um, And I've been looking forward to this conversation because we're going to talk about a few things that we haven't talked about on the podcast yet, uh, which I think is going to be super helpful um, surrounding your book called Out. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But for those who aren't familiar with you, could you tell us a little bit about your background in journalism and broadcasting and all the good stuff about how you came to find yourself working three jobs for ABC? (laughs) Um, No. Yeah, I mean, born and raised in Michigan, um, went to a small college in Ohio for college broadcasting, met and married my college sweetheart there, and then worked my way up um, from small market out of college, I worked my way up in small market to the network level. So working in Dayton, Ohio, and Cincinnati, Ohio, and Chicago. And then nine years ago, my husband and I got the call to 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 go to New York. I had an opportunity to work for the network. The network is the pinnacle in broadcasting. It's mm-hmm. like the creme de la creme. So it's like if you're a coach, you want to work at the NFL level. That's what that's what working at the network is because you're not just working in one market and one for one affiliate. Um, you're working for the network. So that means they're national. You're on in every, I'm not, you know, you were working for ABC, you're on in every ABC market across the country. So, um, but yeah, I just worked my way up the, the, the ladder pretty quickly at ABC was the overnight anchor. When I was first hired, I didn't even know that they had an overnight show, Brittany, but, um, they hired me to do the overnight show. I was like, okay, I didn't even know you guys had one, but it was so fun. We did, I did the overnights for a year going in at 9 PM, getting home at 9 AM and then was promoted pretty quickly, um, to weekend good morning America anchor and then co-hosted the view. And then I wrote a book about burning out and why I walked away from those two dream jobs. And then, you know, the subsequent, um, loss of identity that I felt when I walked away, because I didn't really know who I was outside of what I did. Yeah. So that's kind of in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. And I mean, I could totally see it. First of all, you're such a light <laughs> and, um, yeah. and you're just so, um, so bright and so, uh, personable. And so, um, yeah. I could totally see you rising up pretty quickly. Um, but 
and I, and I want to definitely get back to like the stepping out and, um, choosing a life of, you know, fulfillment over necessarily success and achievement because, uh, it sounds like you got to exactly kind of where you wanted to be. And then you realized, you know, this isn't everything, you know, there's more to this, but I'm wondering, did you ever experience like imposter syndrome, uh, while you were rising up in the ranks and when you were in the network, uh, like, you know, do I deserve to be here? And am I doing enough? And all of those things that come with imposter syndrome, um, feeling like, yeah, most people, um, I, I, I would say like, quote unquote, successful people are people that are very driven, experience imposter syndrome. And many times it's rooted in insecurities and those insecurities are what really fuel them. And for me, a lot of my insecurities fueled me. Uh, I, I was scared to get into broadcasting at the very beginning, you know, and for several years um, and allowed those fears to paralyze me from get, even uh, entering into that foray and then had to push through the fear and at that moment, that touch point in my in my life. And then, you know, along the way, yeah, I mean, I remember when I was first hired at the network and I go to I go to a meeting and like Diane Sawyer's there and Katie Couric and like all these legends in broadcasting, wow, Robert yeah. Roberts, and I'm like, what am I doing here? So, um, but yes, every, I interview Michael Strahan in my book and he, he experiences imposter syndrome. Like a highly successful people experience imposter syndrome. It's so normal. Um, but we don't all always realize it. Like, are they going to find out I'm a fraud? Are they going to yeah. find out that I like, like I'm just hanging on by a thread? So I just think it's um, it's very, very, very normal to experience imposter syndrome, um, and we're not on it. We're not in it alone. Yeah, I'm so glad that you are normalizing it because I think that a lot of times we divide the world into two kinds of people when we see them. You know, we see the people who are super successful, and we think they've just got this innate courage. You know, they've just got this innate, um, confidence within them to just do it, you know, and not care what people think. And here I am, you know, people might think, and here I am, like, I can't be that because I don't have those innate, I don't have that innate courage that comes automatically. And it really is such a myth. Um, and so I'm wondering like what helped you get past those fears? Like what kind of were you telling yourself? Because it is true. Like, it's usually the success, the people who are achieving or excelling in some way. I always tell people if you're experiencing imposter syndrome, that means that you're doing something well. That means that you're excelling in something. Otherwise, you would have no reason to feel like you have nothing to feel like an imposter about. Yeah, um, sure. So is there anything like mentally you were telling yourself or what was what helped you continue to step into that fear? Well, I felt that I, I knew that God was was leading me into this particular area. And so, um, you know, and I just kept going back to Joshua 1. In the same way I was with Moses, I'll be with you, mm. like, you know, hearing that promise over and over. So I've known that like when God vocationally calls you, leads you into a particular area, he's going to equip you. It's up to you to step through the fear, though. And I think a lot of people, a lot of us mistake fear for or intuition, or I don't, I shouldn't do it. No, I mean, um, fear's present. It's going to be present. You should anticipate it. You should expect it. You're never not going to conquer your fears, like, and be done with them and be healed of them. You just know that it, it, the Bible commands us to step into our fear and to press into it. And then promises that God's going to be there on the other side. So, um, I've just carried Joshua one with me throughout my life, especially, um, you know, 
especially in, in relation to, to work, you know, in the same way I was with Moses, I'll be with you. You know, when God calls you to do something, he'll equip you. And then the commandment, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? You know, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid for the Lord, your God's with you. So just clinging to that really helps me. It helps me to, to know that God's going to be in it. Um, but it's up to me to take that first step. Amen. Amen. You know, and I love how you're saying it's going to be there, you know, and it's not just going to go away. And a lot of times we think if we have it, that means that we shouldn't do it because we're feeling because we're having the feeling. And God says, do not fear so many times throughout scripture that it's more likely that it's such a common human experience that people go through. It's very, absolutely. Yeah. And fear and and peace can coexist. Like you can Mm -hmm. have a that in your spirit that this is what God wants you to do, you can still be scared out of your mind. Um, those those two things, like fear and peace, can coexist. They're not mutually exclusive. And so often we talk ourselves out of it. Oh, if, I, if it was from God, I wouldn't be scared about it. No, absolutely not. That's not that's not fear is not from God. Fear is from the devil. And the devil can paralyze you from mm-hmm. from taking the next step because you're talking yourself out of it. You cannot be paralyzed by your fear. God acknowledges it. I think he says, yeah, you, you talk about the hundreds of references about fear, but I think fear not alone, that reference is, is 365 times, one for every day of the year. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has group in our sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify and you can apply for financial aid during the signup process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. 
check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. So that being said, you know, we, you talk a lot about calling as well in your book. And I think that's such an abstract word, especially in like the Christian world. It's like, you know, so you're calling, what's your calling? I'd say calling all the time too. And I think everybody has kind of their definitions of what calling is. I'm curious when you, as you were pursuing all this and even deciding to be called out of everything you were doing with the network, what did it used to mean to you calling and how do you understand it now? Well, calling used to mean career. Calling used to mean work and vocation. And I think in the faith circles, you know, we're told to find our calling and it's this one thing that we were created to do, this one thing that we can bring to the table. And it's almost always related to doing, to career. Um, And so that was really my, you know, my perspective from a faith, from a faith vantage point, but then it's just reinforced with society, which tells us that our worth is work and value is vocation and what's your name and what do you do for a living? So, you know, that's, I think that's where, um, you know, I bought those lies for a long time. And I think we all do. It's hard for us to really contextualize our calling or our purpose outside of what we do, because that's, that's the, those are the messages that we're getting from society and from, from the faith circles. And so, you know, when I, when I really felt God was calling me out of a space where I was at the, you know, height of my career, anchoring Good Morning America, doing the, co-hosting the VO, and I was just in an unhealthy place where my values, my professional, uh, professional choices and personal choices were clashing with my, these values uh, that I held dear, you know, spending time with my kids, my husband, my, my children, you know, going to church, I wasn't able to do those because I was working such crazy hours. And, um, it, you know, when God really got my attention that I needed to step out of this space, and, I, you know, everybody was getting my leftovers, I was a little upset at first with God, because I was like, you called me to do this, right? Is yeah. this one thing that I'm supposed to do? But then why am I then why are you asking me to step away and like fail, you know, and especially at the height of my career, who does that? Right. And so I think it's because I, you know, we have this skewed definition of calling. And it's so it's, it's only it's solely related to career. So when there's that inevitable vocational shift, which we all experience vocational shifts in our life, we don't know what to do outside of it. We don't know who we are outside of it. So, um, so for me, when I, when I stepped away and didn't know who I was, that's where God really revealed like, okay, we have, you know, well, first of all, he's like, you have to know who you are outside of what you do, Paula. And I didn't because I, I was Paula Ferris, the, you know, Good Morning America and The View. And I thought that was my purpose and that's my calling. And God had to show me, no, you have two callings. You have a faith calling and you have a vocational calling. And your faith calling is like your purpose. It's why you're here. And for me, I realized, you know, my faith calling and my purpose is who I am. It's not what I do. It's why I'm on this earth and it's never going to change. And that's to love God and love people. That's it. It has nothing to do with doing. Whereas before I would have said my purpose is to be the best broadcaster I can be. And And so you notice when you tie your purpose so inherently to doing, when you do experience that shift, you're not going to know who you are outside of it. So we had to separate faith calling and purpose from vocational calling. Vocational calling can and will shift. You should expect it to change throughout your life. But vocation is just the the vehicle by which you'll love God and love people. It's the vehicle by which you'll fulfill your purpose. For me, 
like I said, my purpose slash faith, faith calling, I use those two words interchangeably in the book, is just to love God and love people. And that's it. And the vocation, which will change throughout my life, is just the vehicle by which I'm going to, it's the different branches by which I'll show people the love of Christ, by which, I, by which I'll love people and love God. Um, so being able to just see those for what they are was really, um, I, for me, it, it, it was just a paradigm shift. Honestly, that's really what it was to see things to and then to find out who I was outside of what I did to come up with a purpose statement that doesn't have anything to do with doing. You know, my purpose statement is, hey, I'm I'm Paula Ferris. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a child of God. I love Jesus. I'm curious. I ask a lot of questions. I'm a communicator, you know, so it's based on who I am and my inherent talents and gifts, but it's not it's not tied to the doing aspect of it. Because the doing aspect is going to change. It's going to change in a crisis, whether a personal crisis or a pandemic like the one we're experiencing now. So um, I, uh, I'm just grateful for that perspective. I'm grateful for that message that God gave me. Yeah, I'm so glad you're saying that. And I'm so in alignment with what you're saying. I feel like I had that shift as well. Um, I'm definitely a doer. So very easy yeah. to get caught up in tying your identity to your productivity uh, type of thing, how yeah. much you're producing and, and really reeling that in. And when you were saying that, it does make me think of the, you know, Romans eight twenty eight. all things work together for the good of those who are purposed by God. And, you know, where it's like a lot of times it's like, okay, calling it, I have to find this one thing, but it really is like, no matter what you do, no matter what you do with the gifts God has given you, um, if you're living it out, you know, to the best of your ability and in glorifying and in glory to God, then you are living out your calling, <laughs> um, in whatever, in whichever lane that that takes for you. So yeah. is what I'm also hearing you say, which I love. And you think about those verses that say you're called to peace. You know, you have these in, intrinsic and these internal callings as well, but we put so much on those external callings, which are really more so social markers, you know, markers in society. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, it's so true. But, you know, we're just telling, we're doing what society tells us, you know, what's your name? What do you do for a living? Ask our kids, what do you want to be? What do you want to do when you grow up? Lean in and it's always doing related. So we're doing what we're told to do. And then we do it to the best of our ability because we think that's the one thing we're supposed to do. And, um, and then we can burn out like I burnt out. So, um, yeah, I just, I just think it's so important to contextualize, to contextualize it and to see contextualize callings for what they are and to be able to really discover a purpose and calling that don't shift and shake when the times do like we're in right now. Yeah, I definitely think with the pandemic and self-quarantine that has brought a lot of that to life for a lot of us because some of us aren't able to do the things that we're used to doing, to be out um, fulfilling things in the way that we're used to fulfilling them in our productivity and in our work. And it's forcing us to basically sit down. Like God yeah, is like, sit sure. down, be still, reflect on where you've been, what you've been defining yourself by, what you've been Absolutely. tying yourself to, um, mm -hmm. and, and is causing us to think deeper about, you know, ourselves and like everything that yeah. you're saying. So it, it is kind of this blessing in, a, in disguise in that way for, for many of us. Yeah. I mean, you can experience loss and we're all experiencing loss on a, on a particular, on a certain level, some more so than others. But tragedy and opportunity can coexist. 
you know, you can, you can, you can lose a lot in this moment and then you can gain perspective. You've been given, we've all been given a reset button if we want to choose it. A chance to reassess and then if necessary, hit that reset button and say, this is how I used to do things. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, this is who I thought I was. I don't want to do that from here on forward. And that's a gift that we've all been given right now if we want to push it, you know, press that reset button, even though we may have lost a job or finances or status or relationship dwelling, you can, you can lose, but you can gain. And I think um, it's just the ability to be able to see how tragedy and opportunity can coexist and not just focusing on one, but like seeing how they can work together. And I think they're working together right now. You know, um, God can redeem any situation. He can redeem anything. Um, and I think that's what's encouraging about this moment um, is that it's been, it's, it's in many regards, a gift to so many of us to press that reset button if we want to. Yeah. We want to press through the fear. I love those paradoxes where both coexist, you know, where yeah, you're experiencing sure. the loss, but like you said, you're gaining perspective and Absolutely. none of it is a waste. So I love that. And switching gears. Okay. So you made a large sudden change stepping away from, you know, Good Morning America and The View. But your journey since has been more incremental and you're talking about, you know, the changes that you've made kind of intrinsically and focusing more on the conviction of, of your priorities. Um, tell, could you tell us a little bit more about the, the changes you've been making? Yeah, for sure. So when I stepped away from those two dream jobs, I was really scared because I wasn't sure what I was walking into. And it's still unclear. But I, I you know, in that in those moments, I said, I, I just need to get my life back. Yeah. Um, and I talked to my bosses and I, I launched a podcast at ABC. Um, and, you know, I just kind of went back to general corresponding or, you know, reporting work. And it's still very like um, things are still I don't want to say unsettled, but like I feel like God has put other desires on my heart and other areas. But um, knowing that my worth isn't in my work anymore um, and I know who I am outside of it, uh, of work, it's also, you know, releasing myself from that lie, but now given, giving me the permission to, to see myself multidimensionally instead of just this one thing for the rest of my life, this yeah. broadcaster. What are the gifts and talents that God has given each of us and how can those translate into different capacities? And God's put other things on my heart and other vocational branches. And I think just giving myself the permission to branch out and try new things and not see myself so one dimensionally um, has been uh, really freeing. And I don't know what the next chapters look like, um, but I feel like I'm just trying to step out in faith and push through my own fears, knowing that you know, God is moving in other directions right now. And it can be scary, right? But yeah. it's still, I, I still have a piece that, that this is what God has. So just pressing into that in this moment. That's really great. I feel like, you know, a lot of times we want to run from the discomfort, you know, and yeah, we do really sure. do have this idol of, we do have this idol of security, <laughs> um, yeah. especially in America. Oh, sure. And so just learning how to sit with the dissonance, learning how to sit with the discomfort and realize that it's not a bad thing, especially like everything you're saying in transition, um, maybe trading, even trading what I think that's really hard too when it comes to options. I, sometimes I feel like it's harder to give up something good for something yeah. greater that you know is more for you because mm -hmm. who wants to give up a good thing? You know, it's easy yeah. when you're choosing between, okay, I have this, you know, 
maybe this crappy job that I don't want or, you know, I don't want to be doing this and I'm going to pursue something else, but to actually drop something that's really good and that is a dream, but is maybe internally uh, not good for you or is killing you inside and to Mm -hmm. pursue that freedom. um, I think that's very brave and very courageous. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. I mean, but it's hard because you're walking away from two things. And some of us, you know, might feel a shift now, but like we're paralyzed because maybe we make too much or we're paralyzed because we're we don't make enough. Like we just feel the shift coming. But I think if you feel a stirring in your spirit, um, that's that stir. Listen to it. I always say, follow the peace. You can have a peace and be scared. I didn't know what I was walking into and I still don't really know. So it's like, I'm giving up these dream jobs for what, where am I going? Right. What's the next step? Um, but it's okay because I know that my worth isn't in work anymore, but I had to learn that the hard way. I had to walk away and realize that I was so tied up in doing my identity was so wrapped up in these gigs. Um, God had to show that like, I need to know who I was. Uh, I needed to find out who I was outside of the doing. And now, um, he's opening up other doors and it's really great, but, but you have to take that first step. You have to, to press into that fear and take a step of faith. And it can be really scary at times, especially it's very scary when you're walking away from something great and you don't know what you're walking into. So, um, but that's, that's what we call a, a life of faith, you know? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So all of this being said for someone who's listening and maybe, I don't know, maybe they just finished, they just graduated from school and they realize they, you know, graduated with a degree that they actually don't want to do anything in or, you know, they're in midlife and they want to, they're really wanting to switch careers or start a business, you know, or, you know, that person who just worked so hard to get where they are and now they're switching lanes like you, like Mm -hmm. you've been mentioning with your testimony, you know, what are maybe some practical ways that someone can overcome the fears that are holding them back? Like what are the things that kind of helped you take those steps along the way? Well, I think first of all, you have to, to call fear out um, and realize this isn't something that you conquer or that you beat or something that you're healed of. Like fear, as we mentioned, fear is mentioned so many times in the Bible and you should expect it. You should anticipate it. And just like Joshua 1, 9, we're, I, I had to like go back to that verse and read it time and time again. God is commanding us to step into our fear. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged for the Lord, your God's with you. So knowing that it's up to me to take that step, it's up to me to press into it, but I'm, but God acknowledges that fear will be present, but God also promises that he's going to be there. And if God's in it, you'll know God's in it because you'll have a peace in your spirit, even though you'll still be scared. So don't expect the fear to just dissipate. That fear is from the devil and the devil's going to do everything in his power to scare you out of it. Don't call it your intuition. It's not your intuition. That's that the fear is it's not from God. Now, if you have an unease in your spirit from the Holy Spirit, then that's a totally different situation. That's a totally different situation. But just expect any time that there like any time that there's a shift coming um, or you feel some sort of shift, know that the, their fear is going to rear its ugly head and you can't you can't um, see the next chapter before you finish writing the one that you're in, as difficult as that may be. It can be really difficult. And for those that just don't know, like they're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I, um, one thing that's really helped me is to, you know, you know, you're being vocationally led to a particular area by asking yourself like three questions and they're pretty basic, but it's, it's, 
once you can uh, accept them, it's mind blowing in terms of the formula for vocational calling. So ask yourself, what are you good at? What do you love? And what do trusted people in your life notice that you're good at and you love? And it's not going to be, oh, you're a good um, engineer. It's like, what are the right. what are the, talents, <laughs> what are the talents and gifts that you have? Like minor curiosity. Um, question asking, I'm persistent, I'm a communicator, all those things made me a good broadcaster. But just look at how I've limited myself for so long. Um, and I thought I was only this one thing for forever. But but those skills, those talents and gifts God gave me, that God has given you, um, those unique talents and gifts, those can translate into so many different areas, so many different capacities, but we limit God and we limit ourselves by backing ourselves into this corner. But ask yourself again, and you have to check all three of those boxes. What are you good at? What do you love? What do trusted people notice you're good at and you love? I have a friend who is a gifted, gifted consultant. She could consult you life business. People have noticed that spoken life into it. I've, I, she's really good at it. And I've, I've suggested, I'm like, you should really do this. She said, but I don't love it. So do you understand one of those, it's one of those steps, one of those yeah. check, boxes, check boxes is missing for her. You have to be good at it. You have to love it. And trusted people have to speak life into it. For me, my college professors, my high school teacher, those were the first ones to really speak life into this particular vocational lane that I've been on, you know, in broadcasting. But then just being able to peel back those layers and realize, okay, it's not just broadcasting. I can use these on a lot of different vocational branches. And now that I've been freed from from that lie that my worth is only in doing, that gives me now the permission to like, gosh, I can do, God can do anything he wants with this. Um, but realizing it's up to me to take that step, a step of faith and press into the fear. Yeah, you're saying so much here. And I think a couple takeaways or so many <laughs> that <laughs> I was hearing is, and I fully believe as well, you know, what's placed within you isn't by accident. So there are those kind of natural gifts, like you were saying, that don't have to be tied to one thing. Um, thinking about the many other ways that, that could be used. And just, I think this idea of a lot of times, like we're waiting on God to do something great. Like we're waiting on God to just I don't know, divinely lift the fear yeah. or we're waiting on God to intervene or give us this super clear sign. We're like, we're like, um, Gideon, like put the dew on yeah. the grass and then I'll go, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're, waiting um, for, we're waiting for God to like speak and a baritone voice and for yeah. the clouds to part. But let's, like, that's the thing, like you, that's why you have like, ask yourself those questions and then l listen for that. Follow the peace. Do you have a peace in your spirit? And you listen, God speaks in a myriad of different ways as well, but it's knowing where to listen to him. I mean, God can speak through a book. God can speak through a podcast. God can, can speak through trusted people in your life, not just rant, but random people, but people that you do life with that have seen under the hood, that see the warts, they see the rust. Um, God can speak through songs, that song that you've heard a thousand times, but this time in your car, it just speaks to you in a different way. God speaks to you through sermons and scriptures. So like we limit God so often. Um, and, and, but we need to know that we're listening to the right voice, but I'll always follow the peace. Yeah. My dad uh, would tell me, and I always love this analogy and use it to this day. And he always says, you know, God can move, God can steer a moving car. You know what I mean? Like he can't yeah. steer a parked car. You know, if That's you're just right. parked there, he can't move it. But if at, if you're at least moving, like if you're at least 
putting yourself out there. You're at least showing up. You're at least making steps in that direction. You don't know if that's exactly it or if that's exactly what you're going to be doing, but you can trust that he's faithful and loves you enough to steer you, you know, in the right direction, you know, through maybe those confirmations like you were mentioning. So at least we're moving, you know, and it's like we're waiting on God to do something. And then like, he's waiting on us to actually move so he can steer us. (laughs) Absolutely. That's that's true. But like you, you have to take a step and God meets you. God meets you there. But it's just so often like God wants us to just trust him and to obey him. And he wants us to, he wants to refine us. But it's hard to say, I trust you, God, if you're not able to, t- if you don't take that step. And it is so scary sometimes, but just put it on God. Like, God, you, you, you're asking me to do this. So you need to show up. And he does. He shows up asking for the impossible. Yeah. I think what's really interesting about what you're saying, going back to our conversation earlier about imposter syndrome is that, again, we like to divide people between those who are succeeding and showing up and doing well and those of us who, quote unquote, never will. We just can't do that. We can't, we'll never be like that. Um, And everyone has different, you know, callings and places that they are. But um, I think really highlighting that we all get these thoughts, you know, like Mm -hmm. the high achievers, those who are stepping out and those who aren't, we all have the same thoughts. It sounds like the difference is how we are translating those thoughts and how we're turning those thoughts around. So we're all getting the thoughts of fear. We're all getting the imposter syndrome. We're all getting the doubts, you know, but the difference I think with those who you see showing up or stepping out is that they're taking those and going, you know what, this is part of it. You know, we're going to feel the fear. Uh, We're going to feel the stirring and we're going to keep stepping out anyway. This is part of the experience. Um, and just, it's the way that you're reappraising it. It's the way that you're processing it. Not that people who you do see showing up and stepping out aren't experiencing those at all. It's just that they're choosing to process it differently. Yep. Sure. That's right. I mean, and that's the thing. It's the paradigm shift. It's the way you process it. It's your mindset. It's all in your mindset and it's up yeah. to you. That's that's what's empowering about it is like nobody can control that. They can, they can try to control everything else, but they can't control your own narrative and what the choices that you're making and the way that you're choosing to respond to the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And so when you were, you know, co-hosting, um, good morning, America, the view, did you feel like each time you got up there and you stepped out in front of camera and whatnot, you were more comfortable with it? Or do you feel like you were facing a fear every time you were going up and doing that? I think that's curiosity. It was mixed. It was, it was a mixed bag. Sometimes I was like, oh my gosh. And when I allowed the moment to overwhelm me and the spotlight to overwhelm me, that's when it was, I realized I was relying on my own power mm. and, and I was in it and, it, and um, I wasn't just relying on my own power, but where it had become more about me and it had become more about the accolade and the achievement and not so much, oh, this is where God has me in this moment to show his love to people. It was That's like, so good. oh, God, I've got I've to make sure that I, you know, I nail this and I knock it out of the park. And, you know, weirdly just that paradigm shift of seeing vocation as just this vehicle to love God and love people. This is just where I'm placed. It weirdly, like it, it, it's a paradigm shift and it becomes not just about what you're doing, but who you're doing it for. And you remember why you're doing it, but, but in a strange way, you become even more like successful in many ways because 
your mindset's right. And so like these other things that you are consumed with, awards, accolades, accomplishments, they're a, they're a byproduct of, they still happen. But you're, but you know that your, your motivations are pure. Um, know why you're doing what you're doing, who you're doing it for. And that's your greatest motivation. Right. Yep. Yep. And it's, and the spirit that you're coming from, and it's so much more peaceful on your mind to walk into things that way. <laughs> Cause even mm-hmm. when, you know, I can identify even when I'm speaking, you know, in the beginning, I feel like there, you do have a lot of this self-focus where it's like, oh man, like you said, I have to make sure I nail this. I don't want to trip over my words. I want to make sure that, you know, they think this of me or I come off like this um, or they perceive me this way when I'm getting up and speaking. And when you focus on me, 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 um, that is actually what fuels the fear that fuels the doubts that fuels 100%. the imposter syndrome. But when you're focusing yep. on, like you said, loving God, loving people, when you're focusing on those that you're serving and, and loving those that you're speaking out to or coming into contact with and focused on God and, you know, what he, how he is bringing you into the space to show up, um, in his heart for those around you. I mean, it really does dissipate a lot of that pressure for one and you show up wholeheartedly and you really can give your full self in a way that is so much more empowering. So I think that's really great for someone who maybe is out there and does want to step out maybe in a more public way like this, like we're talking Mm -hmm. about. Um, It really is about, you know, less of me and more of him. And that is the not so secret secret. Yeah. And the thing is, sometimes we're like, okay, God, I know you're asking me to do this, but it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I mean, that's what I felt like. I felt, God, you, first of all, you called me into broadcasting and now you're calling me out of it. Like, like, why would you ask me to step away at the height of my career? Um, And so sometimes it doesn't, it didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense to a lot of my colleagues, but like, that's the thing. Like God asked Joshua before he took down the city of Jericho to circle seven times. We don't always understand like why God's asking us to do it, but we know that like, and, but sometimes God just wants us to circle to, to make sure we're obedient, to refine our hearts, to make sure that we're listening to him and we're trusting in him. God still asked him to take down the city, but he asked him to circle. And I know like that feeling of circling can be really disheartening sometimes, but just know that God, when God asks you to do something, when God calls you vocationally to do something, he's going to give you the strength. He just sometimes wants to make sure that you're ready for it. That's so powerful. Um, I actually never thought about it in the context of circling because mm-hmm. I think someone like me or like us, we're like, circling, this isn't producing anything. This isn't exactly. getting, getting me anywhere. <laughs> Where it's are we not, going? Yeah. <laughs> like, we are not NASCAR. Why do we keep making all these left turns? Yeah, I'm not seeing any <laughs> results here. Like, I need to yeah. be doing something different. And uh, and I love that because I think that there are a lot of people who feel like they're circling. They're just dedicated where they are and it's not going anywhere or they're step trying to step out on something new and it just feels like they're keep circling. But you don't know what God is developing within you. Like you're saying, even within that circling, that obedience, that that um, character building and, um, and how he's working in your heart through the process because he uses it all. And sometimes, and you've probably recognized this as well, those 
those things, those very characteristics that he's building within you are the things that you need to sustain where he's, what he's bringing you into. Because you look back and you're like, oh man, like I needed that circling. I needed those hard knot lessons. I needed to oh, wrestle with these 100%. things to strengthen my heart to, you know, how the, you say, how the scriptures say, I, when I wait on the Lord, he strengthens my heart. Like I needed that strengthening and that patience and endurance to have the character to sustain the call, you know, where I'm going next to carry what I'm about to step into. That's so, that's so, but that's all perspective. And it's like yeah. hindsight. Oh my gosh, God, that's why you allowed that to happen. That look, and look at the amount of, of strength and confidence and security I gleaned from that situation. Look what I learned from that situation. And even if, you know, by and large, it may, oh, you know, some people may deem it as a failure. Um, I've learned more from my failures than my successes in, in life. I, you know, I, I value those sometimes more than my successes because of the opportunity to learn from them and to grow from them, to be able to be pruned, which is painful. But what does pruning always do? It produces a better harvest. So it can be painful in the moment. It really can. What is the most but, embarrassing thing that you learned from in your journalism career and being in the network? And because I think everybody else thinks, you know, oh, they're perfect. They're doing great, but they don't oh, see. Sure. I can't like the, there are countless stories of <laughs> just being so embarrassed. I walked in. I remember one time I walked in on Dolly Parton in the bathroom, like right before I was anchoring. Like stupid things happen yeah. to us all the time. I was interviewing a member of um, Modern Family, Jesse Ferguson, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and totally lost my train of thought. And I said, I just forgot what I was going to ask you. <laughs> like there just there are moments. I, it, Listen, because it's live TV, we have to be on all the time. Um, but it, it, it's also like you, you see it for what it's worth. You see our flaws and you see our failures. Many times live TV can be a train wreck and that's why you don't want to turn away because, oh my gosh, you see what's happening. Like it's all falling apart yeah. around them. But no, we are like, yes, it's everybody's. I, I always say like the bathroom's the great equalizer. Everybody has to use it every single day. Amen. So, you know, you know, there's no person that, that should, we should idolize or, <laughs> or, you know, more so than others. We're all human and we all have our issues. Um, we all, we all do. And, um, you know, more money, more problems, just like the great <laughs> philosopher said, who said there was a rapper? Mo money, mo problems. The great mo philosopher. money, mo problems. Yes. No, it was some rapper that said that. And I love quoting that because it's true. And you look, we idolize a lot of these celebrities, yeah. these quote unquote celebrities and um, influencers. And, mm. you know, it's like the great, it's just sometimes it just creates even more problems. And they're, yeah. they're many times some of the loneliest people of all. They really are. Mm-hmm. They don't have that connection. And, and many, and a lot of times it's because people don't see them for, they just see them for what they do. They don't know who they are outside of that. Yeah, yeah. Man, we've talked about so many things. We've touched on (laughs) such a variety of topics. I am so appreciative of you and your story and the work that you're doing. You know, where, (laughs) where can listeners keep up with you online? And you guys, for those of you just kind of wanted to expand more on this and everything that she's saying um, in her book called out, uh, where can they also purchase a copy? Uh, you can purchase a copy Amazon, uh, Christian bookstores, Target.com, Walmart.com, um, Barnes & Noble. If you want to go into a big bookstore, Barnes & Noble is carrying it. I think if, if you're flying, I'm pretty sure it's at um, airports. So. Amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
so, but yeah, it's, um, I narrate, I was able to have the opportunity to narrate the audio version. So if you want to listen to it in audio, that would be great too. Um, Kindle, you know, you could, you could call my mom and she'd probably give you her copy, but actually she wouldn't give you her copy. So, but thank you for supporting it, supporting the message and just share it with people. You know, I really hope that it encourages and equips people to, to release them from this lie you know, that we're, our only worth is in doing and then just give you the permission to branch out and do different things. So we're more than what we do. We really are. Find that purpose and calling that don't up that that aren't that aren't uh, movable or shakable in a crisis. That's what I want the book to do. Amen. And we're definitely going to put all the links in the show notes. You guys can stay connected with her on social media and grab the book. Thank you so much, Paula. This was so, um, oh, this was so great. It was really great. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for listening. Until next time.